welcome to the Manifest Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Norma Reyes, a Latina career and life coach. With this podcast, I help successful women learn how to combine their intuition and logic so that they can manifest their dream career. By listening to my podcast, you'll learn how to go from feeling stuck and lost on what to do next to having the clarity, motivation, and strategies to manifest the career of your dreams. Each episode, I'll teach you the skills, strategies, and mindset you need, girl, to get in alignment with your career goals. Now let's go ahead and get started. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is episode 24 and today's guest is Jacqueline Mejia. She is the CEO and founder of My Resume Squad, a career services company specializing in resume reviews, career and interview coaching, as well as learning how to optimize your LinkedIn profile. She is a proud graduate of the University of Missouri renowned school of journalism and also received her minor in business many of her clients are first gen professionals in the workforce just like you and me as well as her Jacqueline is so passionate about helping creating an easy to navigate career roadmap for her clients Jacqueline has also worked as a journalist and social media producer for national news organizations including Univision NBC Los Angeles, We Are Me Too, and Bessie, or Bessie, I don't know. (laughs) Please forgive me on that one. She continues to freelance as an entertainment journalist for the UrbanHollywood411.com and social media producer for Hits 92.3 radio station in Atlanta. Jacqueline also received professional training as a career counselor at the University of Missouri. I'm so happy to have her here. Sorry. Well, thank you for being here with us. Now, can you tell us about your family background? Where did you grow up and who did you live with? Sure. So my family background is I have a mom from Mexico and my dad is from El Salvador. And so my brother and I grew up with them, um, you know, throughout our whole lives. And my grandparents would also kind of switch off uh, when we were young. Um, My grandma and grandpa from Mexico, they would spend about half the year here and then the other half of the year in Mexico. So it was definitely a multi-generational household growing up um, with my mama Lupe and Papa Poli that would like live with us at home um, for about half the year. And I'd say that pretty much happened maybe um, almost till like throughout high school um, until unfortunately, like my grandma died, but she was a huge, huge influence in my life and why I'm doing what I'm doing now. So yeah. Yeah, that sounds like fun to have her there for you. So when you were young and people asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, what do you recall telling them? Yeah, so in terms of you know, people asking me when I was young, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I clearly remember having kind of like three phases, you know, in my answer where when I was really young, like probably from five to six around there, I would 
tell people like, oh, you know, I'd like to be a doctor or ER doctor because I loved this show back then called 911, where it was like uh, real life emergency calls and how doctors and EMTs would have to solve that. But then around six, I was like, oh, that's a lot of blood and, you know, stuff I would have to deal with. So that kind of dream of a doctor like died out. And then um, when I was, you know, probably around elementary school, I definitely told people like I would love to go to the Olympics because I was a competitive figure skater for 10 years when I was a kid. So definitely, you know, wanting to go to the Olympics was, you know, in there in my answers. And then throughout that whole time, um, you know, after I was like, okay, don't want to be a doctor. I always told people I wanted to be a writer. So writer and, you know, an Olympic athlete were there until I was like, maybe, you know, 10 to 12. And then around 12, I decided I wanted to be a journalist. So around that time, that was when September 11th happened, you know, very formative experience for me at that time in middle school. And I was like, okay, I can see how the power of journalism helped people to understand what was going on in that time. And so from then on, I was like, okay, I want to be, you know, a journalist and either writing or doing something in multimedia. Wow. That's, that's, I love that. I love the different <laughs> roles and everything. I think I was pretty, I don't know. I don't think I have such clear ideas at that young, I think it wasn't until much later, about 10 that I was like, I want to be a judge. And then I forgot all about that. And I still think like, man, I wish I could be a judge. But anyway, yeah, I feel like most kids, you know, don't have like a super clear idea, which I think that's absolutely normal, like to think, Oh, I think I want to do this. I think I want to do that. Um, I feel like I've kind of, in a way, even my friends now we joke about it, like, I've always been a little bit type A, even when I was like a kid. And so even at like five or six, I would like make lists, make like five-year goal lists, like what I want to be when I was 25. You know, I've, I love even now making lists. And so I think my type A was already on display <laughs> back then. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. I don't know any five-year-old. My son is five. <laughs> I can't imagine him doing goals yet. <laughs> so who do you recall as some of your earliest career role models, those that you imagine being like, and what kind of work did they do? Yeah. So I think this question, it's, it's great because there's so many layers of it. So number one, like I always looked up to my parents, um, you know, they came here as two teens, you know, coming from different countries, didn't know the language and they worked really hard and worked their way up and started their own businesses. So I always looked up to my parents because to me, they really were the embodiment of like, if you work hard, you can't attain success. So they were definitely very early on career models. And then I also looked up to Peter Jennings and Jorge Ramos. So they were anchors. Peter Jennings was an anchor for ABC World News Night and then Jorge Ramos um, for Univision. And I watched both of them growing up and just really admired how calm they were delivering the news, especially Peter Jennings, when he literally did not take a break for like 36 hours when September 11th happened. And so those kind of, I guess, four people are early career role models. And then, as I mentioned before, I was a competitive figure skater. So in terms of the athletic side, I always looked up to Tara Lipinski and Mia Hamm because I felt like they opened up doors for female athletes especially Mia Hamm and soccer. And so definitely like instilled in me, you know, about equality in women's sports and 
doing what you love and what you can do and you can do it just as well as, you know, a male can. So those are all career role models I'd say I had growing up. Thank you. You're so clear again. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, I wish I had, I mean, there was people I, but I think for me, it's like kind of like passing for me, like the moments in time, but I don't clearly like have names I could just pull out. But so now please tell us about your educational background. Did you attend college right after high school? Yeah. So I think, you know, growing up definitely was instilled in me to go to college. For me, it wasn't a question. Like it was more of, you know, where I was going to go to college. And um, I actually decided to attend an out-of-state university. So as I said, you know, I knew I wanted to be a journalist and that was like a huge guiding point for me in college. And throughout, you know, some serendipitous meetings with people and events, I learned about the University of Missouri and that it was one of the top undergraduate schools for journalism. My family and I went to go visit it when I was a junior in college, and we just absolutely fell in love with the school, the atmosphere, the school spirit is very different than anything you'd find here in California. I'm from California. So, you know, very different, you know, we're not like a huge football state here, but in the Midwest, you know, it's big to do sports. And so just with the school spirit, we really fell in love with it. And then on top of that, you know, it's a world renowned journalism school. And so it all just kind of came together. And I clearly remember, you know, making the decision to, to go there. And of course it was scary because you know, I'm a first generation student, first person in my family to go to college, not only that, but then going to an out of state college, like literally halfway across the country, didn't know anybody. So that definitely was a culture shock. And I will never forget going with my dad to summer orientation at um, the University of Missouri or Mizzou for short. And I never will forget we were you know, kind of taking a break in between one of the college orientation sessions, my dad and I went to go get cold stone ice cream. And he's like, so how are you feeling? You know, are you excited? And I was like, I've never seen so many like blonde haired, blue eyed people in my life. It was definitely a culture shock because, you know, coming from California, you hear the word minority, or you had to check the box of minority or that you're, you know, Latino, Latina um, on like applications and things like that but I never grasped the word minority. I didn't feel like one. And um, I remember talking to my dad and I was like, you know, I I didn't really feel like a minority until I came here. And I understood the root of the word that like, there aren't people that looks like you, you know? So that was definitely a big culture shock for me. Um, But I also feel like it was an extremely formative experience. And like, you know, I think why I'm open to so many things and have from that point on, like taken so many risks, because I learned how to go somewhere where you don't know anybody and like, really rely on, you know, what are those little networks that you can make. So I remember um, my dad and I went through the new student program, like list of clubs on campus. And my dad was like, there's a Hispanic American leadership organization. That's what it was called at the time. Halo for short. And so he's like, you should, you know, look into that club and see, you know, maybe people there can become your friends. And so I did. And I went to the orientation for Latino students. Um, on campus. And I love the people that I met at Halo, all the upperclassmen, they were from all over the country, from Chicago, from, you know, Cubans from Miami, um, just all over the place. And it really felt like 
a home away from home on this campus, they taught me like about campus and which, you know, which professors were the good ones to get, like which lecture halls to go to. They even went shopping with me when my first winter came around and I had no idea what like snow gear to get. So, you know, things like that, that really made a difference. And I happened to run into a few of the member, the upperclassmen members from Halo um, on my first day on campus. And they like literally walked me to class and it was just such a breath of fresh air, like making a community specifically of Latinos and Latinas in a campus where you are less than 3% of the population. And so to have that club kind of be my guiding post throughout those four years, like they gave me the confidence to then, you know, apply to jobs on campus and become part of all these organizations that I was a part of on campus. It all really stemmed from this experience that I had at Halo. And that's what really helped me feel um, part of the university community when I first got to Mizzou. That's awesome. And a great reminder for everyone that is in college, if they're an undergrad, or even if they're not, to seek those out. Because if you don't, I know for myself, I knew they existed, but I didn't seek them out. I figured I'd be okay. But I probably didn't feel like I had a Latino community in school until about two years later. My first two years, I definitely felt a lot more isolated. And while I only went to school an hour north of San Antonio, it still was a culture shock for me. And I still had um, that same thing where I was like, well, I am a minority and it just makes you feel I don't want to say small. I've kind of felt like I stood out like a sore thumb kind of thing. Like I don't belong here. And so I'm glad that you found your supports very early. And it does make a big difference. Had I found my supports earlier, I would have had a different experience. Not that it was bad, but maybe I would have been a little more of a risk taker too. Yeah. I. So oh, I was going to say, I absolutely agree with you about, you know, if you can, if, you know, for any listeners going to college, I always tell people try to find at least one club that you want to explore. And like, that will make the university feel so much, you know, in a way smaller, like a community, you know? So like I said, I was the first one to go to college in my family and also out of kind of my group of friends and, um, you know, kind of led the way for my younger brother too. So, you know, through everything, I always tell everyone, told my brother, like, find at least one club on campus. And so I feel like that's, you know, a piece of advice that I often give incoming college students, because it really can make a difference. Yeah, it definitely can. So before starting your first full-time job, what were some of your career interests then? Yeah. So during my time in college, I definitely got to explore a lot of things. Um, So I was a journalism major and also business minor because I always knew, you know, I was going to go in media. And then I also knew at some point in my life, I always wanted to start my own business. So to kind of balance both of those, I decided to be a business minor and, you know, learn accounting, learn like what overhead costs are, things like that. So those were definitely my career interests, media, and then also business. And um, I also worked at the career center during college from freshman year to senior year. And we had to be trained for close to a year. We were trained my freshman year on how to review resumes and, you know, things like that. So, you know, was balancing a lot of things while being a student. I was reporting 
for various news outlets, including being a startup intern at what is now Newsy, which is a TV channel. And so it was really cool to literally be one of the first people that helped build that company to what it is now. And then I also worked at the NPR affiliate on campus. I was reporting business news throughout mid-Missouri and, you know, working as an actual journalist while I was a full-time student. So you had to work at least 20 to 25 hours a week as an actual journalist for actual outlets. Like I said, NPR, Newsy. I also worked for the local affiliate station in St. Louis. So that was part of what's known as a Missouri method at the University of Missouri is you're a full-time student and you're expected to also work as a pretty much part-time journalist, you know, in actual news stations across the country. So Balancing that while also, you know, doing coursework and then working at the Career Center. So those were all kind of different career things that I did, I guess, before my first full-time job. And then um, one of also the big internships that I got prior to my senior year, so the summer going into my senior year of college, I landed an internship that summer at what was back then known as Tu Ciudad Magazine. It was a magazine um, based in Los Angeles, part of like the Los Angeles Magazine group. And I interned there for about a month and a half, maybe two months, not the full summer, because unfortunately that summer, the publication decided to shut down Tu Ciudad and like laid off its staff and stuff. So unfortunately, that was my first experience with like learning what a layoff is and things like that. But, you know, I was an intern Um, But during that time, I got to go to this cool like building where this glossy magazine was made and um, meet editors and things like that. And so it was it was a really fun experience, you know, for for being an internship Um, and, you know, had to transcribe interviews and set up interviews for the other reporters and research like events that were happening in town and the Latino community and like help put it on their calendar. So yeah, those were kind of, I guess, things I could think of that stick out. Great. Thank you. And so then once you started your first full-time job, how did that change your career interests? Yeah. So my very first full-time job was at this company called EC Hispanic Media, which is a leading bilingual advertising company. So while I was there, you know, kind of gave me a taste of balancing marketing as well as editorial. So while I was there, I did everything from like marketing the events for the company. So we had different events like Dia de los Muertos events, um, quinceanera.com events, and, you know, running the logistics for these events where, you know, hundreds of people would come. So I would do the logistics for that with the events team and then also write copies sometimes for advertisements in Spanish, or I would have to review like other people's copy. And then I'd also write articles for the Quintiana.com magazine and kind of helped like grow their social media presence. So that was my very first job. And I did so many things, also sometimes random things that I was asked to do by the CEO that were also kind of, you know, fun for being a first job. Like one time um, she had a, a friend that came from Europe with her kids and they needed someone to like take them to Six Flags because they didn't know anyone. And so she's like, oh, you're a very social person. Um, We'll pay for you and a guest to go to Six Flags. So I invited my brother. So like literally my uh, one day of work was spent at Six Flags, like riding rides and kind of 
being the chaperone to these two kids that came from Europe. So that was, you know, fun little things that like, you know, I, I guess not a lot of people get to do that for a first job. So definitely learned a lot about the Hispanic market and marketing with them and also did some editorial. And so, yeah, that, that was like my first job that I did, um, first full-time job outside of college. And I was there for two years before I decided to, you know, pursue media and journalism and, and go into that field. Yeah. Well, thank you. That sounds like a really fun experience. <laughs> and so can you tell us about your networking experiences? Was that something that you learned on your own or did you have anybody mentoring you? Yeah. So I would say in terms of networking experiences, they have definitely been vital in attaining a lot of the, you know, career opportunities that I've had throughout my life. So for me, networking in a way comes naturally because I'm a very social person. I just normally ask people what their names are and, you know, what do they like to do for fun or where do they work? So in terms of the social aspect of like going up to somebody and starting to talk to them, that's very normal for me. Um, in terms of, I guess, learning networking, I would say maybe my first experience I can think of came um, in college when I was part of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists and they sponsored students to go to these big conferences. So I went to my first big conference in Chicago during the summer, I believe it was after my freshman year. And I would say that was probably like where I really learned how to hustle and network and like really kind of talk about yourself in an elevator pitch because there were, you know, booths and booths of tables of people from Bloomberg News to AP News and, you know, local stations across the country. And you only have, you know, not even maybe five minutes, you probably have like one to two minutes to talk to these recruiters and talk about yourself. And so you go from booth to booth to booth. And they encourage us to do that throughout the conference. So we can get used to like talking to recruiters and talking to them about our resumes and things like that. So yeah, that was definitely a great experience for me, because I learned how to do that, you know, fairly young, you know, in my after my first year of college. So yeah, networking has been really big, I would say in terms of professionally, one of the biggest networking kind of opportunities I could think of was probably like five to six years ago. Now, um, I always wanted to work for this publication called me Too. we are me Too. It's one of the biggest Latinx publications for millennial and Gen Z readers. And, you know, I would read their website and I felt like, oh, I would love to write for them. And um, I didn't, you know, know how to really like reach out to anyone there. So one summer I saw that the editor in chief at the time was going to be speaking at a conference and the conference ticket was at the time, you know, pricey, it was like $200 and, you know, being like a young professional, I was like, Ooh, that's a lot of money. But I was like, you know what, if I get a chance to meet this editor in chief and like land a contributing writer role, that's going to, you know, obviously pay for itself. So I put it on my credit card and I drove out to the West side, um, you know, fr from where I was living in Los Angeles. And I spent like day, you know, several days there for the conference, like waiting for this panel to finally, you know, happen. And so I listened to the panel 
And then I made a beeline to the editor in chief after she was done. And after she was done talking to a few people, I was like, okay, I got to practice my pitch. Like, this is who I am. This is what I've done, you know? And I, I did, you know, I told her why I wanted to work at MeToo. What was my, you know, journalism and editorial experience up to that point? Why did I feel my writing and my voice, you know, would be good for the platform? And, you know, she was like, yeah, you know, I, I'd like to bring you in to do like an interview, send me your resume. Here's my card. So she's like, here's my card send your resume to me, send me clips that you've done. And then, you know, we'll take it from there. And so I did, I did that and, you know, went through the process of, you know, applying to be a freelance contributor and I landed the job there. And so I worked for me through for like five or six years, you know, and, and thankfully had so many awesome opportunities in my journalism career and really was able to build a name and a platform for myself by writing with me through. And that all came because of a networking opportunity that like I took the risk, you know, again, like I said, you know, being an out-of-state student, that was a huge risk for me at that time in my life. So, you know, taking the risk of putting a conference ticket on my credit card and driving out and, you know, making a pitch to an editor, that doesn't seem as scary when you've already like you know, moved across the country and done stuff like that. So yeah, I I did that. And it worked out for me. And so I always tell people like, if you have someone that you look up to in your career, or like a mentor that you want to meet, like, just try to see where they're going to be speaking at in terms of panels, or, you know, virtual conferences now things like that, and, and try to, you know, network with them, because it really can be a career changing opportunity. Yes, I love that taking risk and making your own networking opportunity. (laughs) Definitely something that we can all do a little more of as scary as it may seem. So now tell me what have been some of your most influential career experiences thus far? Yeah, so I would say I'll try to break it down maybe into five mini ones to start out. So I would say my very first influential like career opportunity would be working at newsy.com. So that was like a full 360 for me in terms of being a college student, because I started out, like I said, when newsy.com was, you know, literally trying to form its team. It was a startup. We had um, founders that had come from AOL at the time. And at the time, you know, um, I was in college in like the mid 2000s, like 2007 to 2011. So back then, hearing someone come from AOL, like that was huge back then, you know. Um, So we were like, okay, this is neat. We have like some really great, you know, founders. And and obviously, they knew what they were doing, because now it's, it's a, you know, it's a TV channel, um, seen across country. So, so yeah, I started out as an intern, you know, working for free. And I worked on the marketing team at that time as a sophomore. And I was actually one of the youngest interns because I could not actually have an internship because I was an underclassman. And so the university didn't let us do an internship, but the founders of the company were like, we really like you and we like your energy. So we'll like sign paperwork so that you can come intern for us even as a sophomore. So I interned for them in the marketing department and learned like guerrilla marketing and tactics like that, you know, to help spread the word of Newsy and then worked my way up 
to around my junior year, I was writing scripts for the anchors and writing like the scripts that were used for the video news clips that were put on Newsy. And then by the time I was a senior, going into my final semester of my senior year, the founders of the company said, you know, you've worked for us for a long time. We've seen your work and we really, you know, believe that you could lead a team. So they're like, we want to hire you to do everything Newsy is doing, but do it in Spanish. So I helped launch this like beta test project called Newsy in Español. And I had to basically lead a team to do everything that Newsy was doing, editing, writing the scripts, learning metadata at that time for YouTube and putting our videos on YouTube. And we had an anchor that she would do all the videos in Spanish. And so I was leading this team at um, 21. Yeah, so 21 and leading a team of like seven or eight people and, you know, having this opportunity to launch something that had never been done before and show investors basically what Newsy could be in different languages. So that was a huge opportunity for me. And I still talk about it now when obviously, you know, on this podcast, and even when I'm interviewed by people, I still talk about Newsy because that's something that I'm very proud of. And to know that even that young people saw, you know, something in me to be a leader. Um, so, you know, it's so important, I think, for employers to elevate talent, even if it's young, you never know what impact that can have on that person. So yeah, that's definitely a very formative experience for me. After that, I would say, you know, probably becoming a writer for me too. Like I said, it's opened up so many doors for me. And I love that I got to really become in touch with my Latina side. You know, my mom always jokes that, you know, watching all those telenovelas with my with my mama Lupe and my papa Poli growing up, you know, definitely influenced that and how I wrote for me too. And I've gotten to interview celebrities like Diego Luna, some of the creators for Netflix shows. I actually went to Vancouver right before the pandemic. I was invited by Netflix to go to Vancouver and interview their talent on set from their different shows for me too. So that was my first like international press trip. So, you know, things like that, that me too was able to give me. And I just, every time I wrote an article, it was never work. It was so much fun, like doing the research, interviewing Latinos or Latinas across the country that were making a difference for their community, entrepreneurs, um, you know, people in executive positions at different companies or interviewing like makeup artists or fashion designers, you know, it was just so awesome to bring those stories to Latinos and, you know, also ordinary things happening like gentrification on Calle Ocho or, you know, a series that I did with my editor on the cultural importance that Afro Latinx brought to Brazilian culture, you know, things like that, that we got to explore that mainstream media wasn't talking about. So I would definitely say that that was a career highlight working with me through when I got my first, like I would say my first big break um, for, you know, in media, I always say my first big break was like working for NBC Los Angeles. So I got hired around 25. Yeah, when I was 25, I got hired to be NBC Los Angeles's first social media producer that they ever had. And it was a year long contract. And I loved it. Like it was a year long, but I made friends and still keep in touch now with, you know, my staff that I worked with. They were amazing. Uh, we had to cover some big stories that year. 
you know, um, unfortunately things from mass shootings all the way to like the Rio Olympics, it happened to be the year of the Rio Olympics. And I got to do things on social and digitally to help, um, you know, what, what's called the 100 days out, which is a hundred days from where the Olympics happen. NBC universal has a huge push on social media to get people excited for it. So I got to be part of that and just loved working with the team, NBC Los Angeles and Telemundo 52. And so we were all in one big newsroom and, you know, had fun doing that. And from there, when my contract ended, I actually got recruited to go work for Univision in Miami. And so that's why I moved to Miami for two years. I was working with Univision and with Fusion TV. And that was a really big professional and personal life change professionally, because I got to work with one of my heroes, you know, one of my career mentors that you asked me earlier, I got to work with Jorge Ramos, and do social media for his show. Um, I got to also meet Residente, and do kind of copywriting for Big Papi Ortiz, the former MLB player. So and got to do really fun stuff on the work side. And then also on the personal side, you know, living in Miami was awesome. I made so many new best friends. I still talk to you to this day. I learned salsa dancing, Cuban style. I learned how to make cortadito, like coffee, you know, so that was a, a big experience. And then I would say also a big career thing for me would be just kind of on the personal side, um, I did in the last year, you know, check off that dream of owning my own business. And so I started a company called My Resume Squad, where I took the lessons and the training I learned at the University of Missouri Career Center, where I worked for four years and, you know, loved to interact with clients back then, loved hearing client stories when they would come back and tell me, hey, you're the reason I got into law school or, you know, I got that internship that you helped me edit my resume with. And so, you know, took that training and, you know, when this global pandemic happened and unfortunately millions of people lost jobs, I actually had people in my network reach out to me and say, hey, I knew that you used to do this in college. My very first client, you know, reached out to me and said, I know that you have experience in this. I just got laid off. Can you help me with my resume? I will pay you for your services. And so when that happened, I was like, wow, this can actually be a viable business. People need help. And I know with these skills, how to review resumes and review CVs and help people with that. And especially with my editorial background, you know, writing and editing comes so naturally to me. And so, yeah, I decided to launch my business and I'm so happy to say, you know, um, I've had clients since day one and, you know, people, my, my clients have called me or emailed me saying like, I got the job, I got the interview, you know, or I learned a whole new career path because of you, you know, because of the career sessions we've had. So it's been such a fulfilling journey in terms of starting my own business and just seeing like, you know, something that was a dream and then became an idea and then became a reality. Like it's still, you know, still kicking. I celebrated my one year anniversary for my business in April. And so, you know, I'm excited for what the next year is going to bring and what's going to happen even beyond that. Congratulations. I'm going to ask you. you more about that in a bit. But before we get there, can you tell us about some of the challenges you've have faced and how you overcome them? Yeah, so I have definitely faced 
challenges in my career. And I would say one of the biggest things that has helped me is actually my, my parents, specifically my mom. She's my best friend, (laughs) you know, and I would call my parents for everything from encouragement to mentorship, to advice, you know, um, in college, when I was away, um, I would talk to my parents every day. I'd call them, you know, for different reasons. For my dad, it was kind of more I needed the practical advice. Like I remember, I would say one of my early like challenges, I guess, in my career is that um, when you're a student at the University of Missouri Journalism School, you have to pick which like emphasis area you want to do. And I was, you know, deciding, should I be a broadcast journalist? Should I be a multimedia journalist and do convergence journalism? Or, you know, what track should I do? And I had a little bit of a, you know, existential crisis because I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to decide what path I'm going to go on. You know, how do I do this? And I, my heart was telling me to do multimedia journalism because I liked writing. I liked doing stuff digitally. You know, my passion was there, but I was also like really nervous about it because um, we definitely have some tough professors in that specific emphasis area. And like, it's known, there's this one class that was known to like weed out people because it was really separated who really wanted to be a journalist and who kind of, you know, didn't have the chops for it or didn't have the passion for it. So I was really nervous going into that class. And I remember I was like, oh, which one should I do? I don't know. Should I keep doing this? And I still remember my dad, you know, called me on the phone again, the practical one. And he was like, Jackie, in the hundred and something years since the Missouri School of Journalism started, He's like, I haven't heard any reports of anybody dying from the journalism school of how hard it is. (laughs) So he's like, so he's like, you can do this, you know, pick an emphasis area. And he's like, everything's going to work out. And he's like, you'll be fine, you know, just work hard, like study, and that's all you can do. And so I was like, you know, he's right. Like, I can't let the fear of something keep me from, you know, moving and doing something. So I remember um, I took a run down the Katy Trail in Missouri and kind of got clarity and was like, yeah, I can do this. And so I I signed up to do um, convergence journalism, did that course that was super hard uh, reporting 4802. My friends and I still talk about it, that we were like, we survived, you know. And what was cool is that class was so hard that all of us in the class, like in that cohort, we became so close. We still talk to each other now. And our professor said, I purposely make it this difficult because I want to see who at the end is going to, like we said, be weeded out, who really wants to be, you know, in, in multimedia journalism and that this prepares you for those next courses. And so after that course, because you survive it, we became really close with our professor and like we even did pub crawls with her, you know, our senior year. So it was it was really awesome how close we became. So that was like a challenge, I would say, early on in my like younger part of my career. I would say the next career challenge that I had was when I was editor in chief of Lossip. It was the job that I had right before I started working um, at NBC Los Angeles. And that was very challenging for me for a variety of reasons. Number one, I was a really young, you know, editor in chief. I was 24 at the time when I got the job and I had to lead people that were literally uh, double my age, you know, or people that were older than me by 10 years. 
And I was actually one of the youngest people on staff, but I was also at the same time editor in chief. And so that really taught me how to like not let age define you. And as long as like you have a vision and you know how to clearly communicate it with your team and they believe in you, you know, I didn't have people that were older, like questioning me, you know? So that definitely, I had to, you know, come into that type of power. You don't naturally walk in, you know, or I don't know anyone that naturally walks in on day one. It's like, boom, I'm ready to lead. It's like, you learn things. And I definitely stumbled a few times there and learned some some big workplace things at that company. Unfortunately, that was kind of the first experience of a layoff I really had as a working professional. Um, as hard as my team and I worked, you know, sometimes things are financially out of your hands. Um, you don't make the, you know, financial budget decisions for a huge company. And so the company said, um, you know, we understand how hard you've all worked and we appreciate your work, but financially this website it's not making sense for us and our audiences. So we're going to stick to like our more historical websites. And so, yeah, so they did lay off. So that was tough because, you know, you have to be like, wow, I worked so hard at this and everything just kind of gets pulled under you with the rug. Um, and again, my mom, you know, always being the eternal optimist was like, don't worry, something's going to happen. You know, something better is going to come. You know, I still remember calling my parents crying and, you know, both of them were like, something better is going to come. You just got to hit the ground running and, and work, work through it. And so every time there's some kind of setback, I've always had, you know, something kind of there that comes along, you know, after that. So after that, um, I actually got offers to start freelance writing. That's when I got my freelance job with me too, you know, and I was able to work things out. I also got invited to apply to a position to be a full-time marketing manager, but the company, like just, I could tell it wasn't the right fit, but I also knew they needed someone to help complete the work. So I actually, in a way, learned how to negotiate because I said, you know what, I'm doing freelance work right now. I know this isn't the right company for me in terms of like long-term, but I'm like, I also know you all need somebody like today. So I'm like, can I negotiate a freelance contract with all of you and work on um, your teams and what you need until you find a replacement? Because I knew that them looking for an employee was going to take a couple months. So I was like, you know, I can offer my services now and we can part ways when you find somebody. And so they were like, wow, this is actually kind of interesting. We hadn't thought about that, but we do need the help. So they were like, yeah, let's do a, a freelance contract for the time being. So we did that. And it was like perfect timing because I was still looking for jobs. And so when they found somebody, it was perfect timing because I let them know that I got hired to go work at NBC Los Angeles. So, you know, that was, you know, what I did in between kind of the those jobs. So that was definitely a challenge. Um, you know, obviously being laid off, but then I learned how to like pick myself up and like keep hustling, keep working. So I always tell people like, don't be afraid of the hustle. Like eventually the universe is going to notice that you're putting in the hustle and putting in the work. And I truly believe that like the universe gives back what you put in. And so every time I have found myself at a professional crossroads or something, you know, even with my own business, sometimes, you know, of course you get a little bit of that you know, entrepreneur worry, like, Oh my gosh, am I gonna have a client, you know, the next week, you know, next month, am I gonna get new clients? And it's like, 
yeah, the work you put in, you know, people hear about you, people refer you. And, you know, thankfully I can say I've always had clients every single month since opening my business. So yeah, I'm definitely a believer in hard work and that hard work and having a positive outlook. And like my parents say, believing that better things will come. If one door opens, you know, open a window or kick down one of the doors so that you can open it, better things will come. So I let that you know, I tell that all the time when I do clubhouse talks or panels with people, um, or even my own clients, where if they're currently unemployed, or, you know, not um, looking for a new career transition, I always let them know if you do the work, if you, you know, take freelance opportunities, or work contract positions, or take the time to learn new coursework, like all of that is eventually going to come back to you in a good form in one way or another. Yeah, definitely. Always trying to take those risks and looking for those opportunities because if you're not willing to keep your eyes open, nothing's going to show up. I love how you just created and created for yourself and having your parents as strong supports is so Mm -hmm. important. And not everyone has that. So if you don't have that, you know, find someone for yourself or be that person for yourself if you're not able to find that. Now, tell us just three, your top three resume tips. Yeah. So I would say definitely in terms of my top three resume tips, number one is always carefully look at the job description. That's definitely number one. It's like really read through the job description, you know, have a notepad next to you, write down what are the duties that they're asking for? What are the job responsibilities they're asking for? And then see how your experience aligns with that. So, you know, go down the list of like, okay, they're asking for this. Do I have experience doing that? Or have I done that before? Check, check, you know, and that really helps write your resume. Also really look through the job description because I tell my clients, sometimes some companies are sneaky and they want to see who's detail oriented. So they will put, sometimes I've seen it in the middle of a job description or sometimes in fine print at the end, they will say, you know, email your resume or email your resume and cover letter to, you know, XYZ person. And like, they put that at the end of the job description or in the middle, because a lot of people are just clicking apply, 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 you know, on these job search websites websites like LinkedIn or Indeed. And sometimes some jobs specifically want you to send an email with a cover letter sometimes or just a resume to the specific person. And so I always tell my clients, read through the job descriptions, you know, not only to see if you align with the uh, job description in terms of the responsibilities and duties, but also because you might miss a line where it said to send specifically, you know, samples or cover letter, you know, to a specific person. So number one, read through the job description. Number two, modify your resume to the job that you're applying for. You know, I absolutely understand that you know, applying to a job, it can be tiring, you know, going through application after application, you know, you, your eyes start to glaze over and you, you know, your words are like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the same document, you know, it it can all start to jumble together. But, um, you know, I like to say, first, apply to the jobs that you want to apply to. So be intentional about the jobs that you want to apply to. Don't just apply to, you know, the 20, job openings you see for business development manager, 
like really see which companies do you want to work for, which, you know, does their mission values, you know, work samples align with you. So really be intentional about your job search and modify your resume to what that job is asking for. So don't just mass send your resume to all these openings, like really modify your resume to that specific job role. And that's going to get you so much more um, traction. So that's the second tip is to modify your resume to each job. And then third is look for different ways to highlight your experiences as a holistic job candidate. So a lot of people, you know, they'll just put their professional work experience on a resume. That's kind of it. But I always tell clients, like, you also have experiences outside of your normal nine to five job that could also be, you know, making you a great candidate in the eyes of a recruiter. So put down volunteer experiences, certifications, if you're like CPR certified or you're certified in certain courses or you just completed coursework, you know, on HubSpot or continuing education, like put those certifications on your resume as well in a special certification section. Or you can also add a section for honors and awards. Like if you got a customer service award or if you're awarded for, you know, volunteer experience or something. Um, Also volunteer experience can be another uh, section you put on your resume. So again, just to summarize, you know, the top three tips. Number one is definitely read, read, read that job description. Go through every line. Number two is modify your resume for that specific job role. Don't mass apply with the same resume. And then number three is to see what other sections you want to put on your resume beside your professional experience section. Thank you. Thank you. Those are so great. And you actually reminded me of my episode seven, where it's about, should I stop applying for jobs? And that's one of the biggest things that I talk about, about being intentional on the jobs that you're applying to, because you're just wasting all of your energy applying to, you know, 20, 30 jobs a day, but not being intentional when you can do that intentionally, you know, one or two a day, but really putting all of your energy to, you know, and really, if you're going to put that much energy, you're going to pick the one that is best for you versus the 20. And you're just like, I hope somebody calls me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I absolutely agree with your number of applying to like one to two a day versus like 20 because your brain just gets in a fog. It's like tired. You know, you might make a misspelling or something, you know, so I also advise clients like one to two a day is good, you know, look for something in the morning, maybe look for something in the afternoon. And also it's okay to take a break if you need to, you know, if you're burned out because you've been applying for several months, like take one to two weeks off, like, you know, come back. Job postings are always going to be there, you know, in terms of like new jobs coming in. I understand that, you know, maybe you didn't apply to something and you come back and the job posting's gone, you know, that, that definitely happens. But I always let people know if that happens and that wasn't the job meant for you, you know, if it was meant for you, you'd apply and it, it would go your way, you know, but if it's not meant for you, you know, just trust that the universe knows what it's doing. And, you know, it closed for a reason, you know, that that application pool. Um, So yeah, I definitely, you know, encourage people to take, you know, even if they need it a whole month, you know, off from job searching sometimes just to like, debrief, figure out, you know, is this really 
the industry I want to go to, maybe that month of you not applying, maybe instead use that time to, you know, do some type of freelance work or maybe take on some clients so that you can build up your skill set. Or maybe use that time instead to like go take a course, get a certification, you know, that you need for your job application. So I wouldn't say like completely take your foot off the gas pedal completely where you're just like, all right, I'm going to take this month off and completely cruise. Like, you know, still kind of do something productive, maybe read some books in the industry or or like really get up to date in the industry in terms of, you know, articles or or news releases or take a new course, you know, but maybe taking a a month off or a couple weeks off from job application is kind of that breather that people need sometimes. Thank you. Yes. All great tips. Was there anything else that you wanted to share with us? So I guess in terms of an additional tip that I would give anyone that's looking right now is, you know, hopefully, as you've heard through my story, like networking is super important. And a lot of people, you know, either don't put the time or maybe they're, you know, maybe they're not like naturally, you know, super outgoing people. So networking can be a little bit daunting. So um, in that sense, you know, take networking, like virtually, you know, write a little short email template that you can send out to a recruiter or a hiring manager that you're interested in um, on LinkedIn, or try to do your homework and find their email address, you know, and just be like, hey, you know, I saw this job opening on LinkedIn, I'm really interested because of ABC, you know, and I would like to know if this job is still open. And a lot of times, you know, kind of opening that door with like, hey, you know, I'm interested, this is why is the job still open? If the job is still open, that hiring manager will say, yeah, it's still open, you know, send me your resume so you can apply, you know, I've kind of advised that tip to a lot of people. And and I've seen it work for people. I've seen it work for myself as well. So yeah, definitely networking in terms of virtually like sending emails. Um, Also, like I said, attend conferences with people or in industries that you want to go into. So yeah, I mean, don't undermine the power of networking. It really can open the door to a new opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for that. And now how can they reach you, Jacqueline? Yeah, so I can definitely be reached on my Instagram. That's kind of where I give a lot of my tips for resumes, cover letters, things like that. And my handle is my resume squad. So that's the name of my business, my resume squad. And so they can find me on Instagram. And they can also click on my Instagram link in bio to schedule a free 15 minute consultation where I help people, you know, figure out where are they currently on their career search or career journey? Um, How can my, you know, services help them, you know, launch that next career move. I'm also on TikTok, you know, same thing, my resume squad on TikTok. It's my resume squad underscore career tips. And then if they just want to say hi, or, you know, take a look at some of the services I offer, it's myresumesquad.com. And there's, you know, drop down menu, you can see my services, I offer resume reviews, and writing and editing, also LinkedIn optimizations. um, And I also help people with career coaching. That's actually starting to become like my second most popular service after resume 
and, you know, CV writing and editing, it's career coaching to help people, you know, figure out what they want in their next career move. If they're currently in a job or field and they feel like they want to make, you know, a switch into something else, I definitely help a lot of people with career transitional career coaching. Great. Thank you so much. And I will make sure to have all the links in the show notes. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here, Norma. And I look forward to continuing to hear all of your podcasts. And thank you for giving, you know, working professionals like me a platform to talk about our stories and, you know, share tips with your audience. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Manifest Your Career podcast with me, your host, Dr. Norma Reyes, a Latina career and life coach. 